Bleak Expectations by Mark Evans. Chapter the Second, An Adolescence Utterly Trashed. Damnation! Father, what is the matter? Lily, my dear, I am vexed, peeved, irritated and thrum-diddled, which is a new word I've just invented, meaning roughly the same as vexed, peeved and irritated, but differing just enough to be worth using. <laughs> it is that wretched journalist. Enter! Mr. Sarquill, you are late. I apologise. My tardiness is because I attempted to come by horseless carriage. One of those confounded new steam-powered devices? That was my intention, sir. But indeed, this particular horseless carriage turned out literally to be a carriage without horses. <laughs> it was 20 minutes before I realised. Imbecile. If your idiocy spreads to all aspects of your work, I'm amazed that your account of my life in the Times has any readers at all. Oh, but it has been enormously popular. The article has been read by nearly 12,000 people. Is that all? Well, that is half the population who can actually read. It is a sensation. Well, of course it is. I am a fascinating man who has led a fascinating life and who wears fascinating underwear. Fascinating underwear? Made out of squirrels. That is fascinating. Enough about my rodent pants. Shall we continue? Of course, Sir Philip. Allow me to find my pen. It is somewhere in my bag. Is it a Gladstone bag? No, this is the much more exclusive Disraeli bag. It has many, many more pockets. As the great man once said, when it comes to pockets, lay them on with a trowel. <laughs> now, is my pen in this one? Uh, no. Uh, is it in this one? No. This surely is the pocket. Oh. Turns out, no. Oh. Possibly in here. Oh. Aha! Here is a pen, oh. but not the one I'm looking for. Oh. This pocket surely contains my prize. <laughs> Or indeed, it just contains some string and a conker. Enough! I will take your bag and put it somewhere where the sun does not shine. Um... Lily, take this bag and put it on a coach to Scotland. Phew. <laughs> Bags should be like women. Simple and with one lockable opening. <laughs> now, as you know, my father had died, my mother had gone insane... And I, Pip Bin, have been sent to the most terrifying school in Britain, St. Bastards. And Lily, do not play the organ in a thunderstorm while I'm talking. Sorry, Father. Anyway, my story continues now. I had met the boy who had instantly become my best friend, Harry Biscuit. But the very next day, he was to turn 18, when, in keeping with school tradition, he was to be killed. <laughs> Escape was vital. So, Harry, got any plans? Indeed I have, Pitbin. I have three plans. Three? But that's brilliant. Let's hear them. My first plan is for a new mode of transportation based on highly trained geese and compressed air. <laughs> right. My second is for trousers you wear back to front and, and this is the really clever bit, upside down. <laughs> and my third plan is for an eating house where you dine on raw fish brought to your table by some sort of continuously moving system of belts. I see. And 
How will those help us escape? Well, I reckon any of them could make us enough money to bribe our way out of here with ease. We're going to die. Ah, well, that's where my fourth plan comes in, an anti-dying device. Harry was good, honest, loyal, and in a crisis, a complete moron. <laughs> to make matters worse, I was as hungry as I'd ever been. Meals at St. Bass's were only served every three months, and we had last eaten 11 weeks before. And although meals had been cancelled, meal times had not. Three times a day, we had to sit and mime eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner <laughs> under the watchful eye of the tyrannical headmaster, Mr. Heart Thrasher. You boy! I don't believe for one instant that you're eating a chop. <laughs> you must be beaten. Come here and bend over. <laughs> but help was at hand. As I finished miming my soup and prepared to move on to my main course of imaginary steak and vegetables, one of the school servants approached. They were never the finest specimens of humanity, but this crone was particularly vile. As she loomed over me, she seemed to be less a person and more a loose amalgamation of mud and warts held together by a long, hideously matted beard. Crunch mumble. Here, have this. Have what? Eat it. It's a dumpling. And here's a carrot, and a Venus schnitzel, and a small slither of game terrine. And under the table is a chicken. <laughs> it's a bit underdone. <laughs> Be quick, before the headmaster sees. What? Why? Who are you? I'm a friend. <laughs> Eat your food, then meet me here tonight and I'll tell you more. Mumble grunge, mumble. I shared my food with Harry. We were the only well-fed boys in the school that day, uh, apart from Bissington, who had eaten his own arm, <laughs> and Frobisher, who had eaten Bissington. <laughs> After lunch, I was summoned to the headmaster's office, where I had a visitor, my guardian, Mr. Gently Benevolent. Young Pip, you look well. By which I mean not yet dead. <laughs> Mr. Benevolent, how glad I am to see you. This school is intolerably cruel, and my sister Pippa is at a nunnery next door, and she is to be Joan of Arc on Joan of Arc Day tomorrow, and they are going to burn her. Such insolence! You dare to accuse me of cruelty? You shall be beaten to within an inch of your life. <laughs> Possibly slightly closer. <laughs> now, bend over. No, Headmaster, let, let us not beat him, not when I bring such good news. I am to leave this school. That is a relief, because the curriculum is incredibly limited and the pastoral care is virtually non-existent. Indeed, no. I am to marry your mother. What? Then I shall not only have all your money, but also your family's good name and social standing. Are you not delighted? But when is this to happen? Tomorrow. I would invite you, but I'm not going to. <laughs> However, I do have a treat for you so that you may share in the celebrations. The headmaster has agreed that you may have an actual meal at the same time as the wedding. But what meal? Why, this special delicious soup. It says poison on it. No, it says poisson. <laughs> Just spelled a bit wrong. It is French fish soup. If you're prepared to believe that, then yes. <laughs> now, run along, Pip. Or should I say, son? No, never. Enjoy your soup. Now, Headmaster, would you be kind enough to give me a good thrashing? Of course. <laughs> Bend over. Oh. Oh. Ah. Mm. Oh. 
Oh, that is bracing. <laughs> it's not as much fun if you enjoy it. <laughs> I had to save my mother. My only hope was the servant who had claimed to be a friend. Harry and I waited for our chance to sneak out and meet her. It came around midnight. Nesterton was crying because he was homesick. So the headmaster came in and beat him. The beating made Nesterton cry again, so the headmaster beat him again. And Nesterton still wouldn't stop, so the headmaster took him out to shoot him. <laughs> in the confusion, Harry and I crept to the dining hall. Hello? Is there anyone here? Shh! Keep your voice down! Who are you? Just a friend. And who's this you brought with you? He too is a friend. Then we're all friends. Do you have a name, mysterious bearded crone woman? <laughs> there are those who have called me Bearded Brander. Others have called me Harry Harriet. Others have called me Goateed Gretel. Or Mustachioed Margaret. But to you, I'm just a friend. <laughs> Why did you feed me? I've been sent here to help you. By whom? A friend. I'm just a friend sent by a friend to help a friend. A wooden shaving Sharon, that's another one they call me. How do I know I can trust you? Maybe this will convince you. My mother's locket. Who gave this to you? Was it my mother? Is she well again? As to your mother, she's quite mad. But that is marvellous news. She was totally mad the last time I saw her. <laughs> so only quite mad is a real improvement. No, I mean quite as in completely, not as in a bit. <laughs> oh. And my sister, are you to help her as well? I am, but I warn you, to take both of you away from here will not be easy. Indeed, there are those who say it will be difficult. <laughs> and Harry, I'm not leaving without Harry. Three of you? That makes the people who say it will be difficult look like blind optimists. <laughs> there are people who would say that getting three of you out of here is impossible. And those are people who are generally quite positive, you know, real glass and half full type people. <laughs> That's how hard it'll be. But can it be done? We shall see. We followed her out of the dining hall and into the kitchen, where she opened a cupboard and walked in. We followed her, dodging imaginary hams as we went, and found at the back there was a secret passage. Where are we going? To fetch your sister from our nunnery prison. First, though, we need to disguise you. There's nothing so out of place in a nunnery as two young men. Except maybe three young men, or four. <laughs> Oddly, five seems completely normal. You mentioned disguises. Here, put these on. In the dank corridor, we quickly dressed. Um, are you sure these disguises won't raise any suspicions in a nunnery? No! What is a more normal sight in a nunnery than a giant rabbit in the late Admiral Nelson? <laughs> Almost anything. Now, before us stands a secret door to the nunnery, I only hope the lock still works. It hasn't been used in 20 years. Harry? Sorry. <laughs> I, I always make that noise when I'm nervous. Uh, feel free to try the door now. Thank you. Now, follow me and just act like any normal rabbit or late naval hero. Um, splice the main brace, raise the topsail. Uh. Keep calm, someone coming. Haul anchor and make way. Good evening, sister. Good evening, Admiral Nelson. How nice to see you alive again. <laughs> and good evening to you, Mr. Rabbit. I don't believe it, it's actually working. Now, 
Your sister should be through this door here. Sorry, nervous again. <laughs> Do try the door. Inside, in a large tin bath, was my beloved sister, Pippa. Relief washed over me like hot custard over a delicious pie. Sweet, welcoming, and oddly yellow. Pippa! Pip! My brother Pip! How happy I am to see you! If you're as glad to see me as I am glad to see you, then you must be exactly as glad as I am. Glad? Oh, I am glad. So very, very glad. So very, very, very glad. Do not be sad, Pippa. I am not sad. I, I am glad. These are tears of gladness, not sadness. <laughs> I am so happy. But you sound so sad. No, not sad. Glad. It is hard for me to tell the difference in your weeping. Oh, well, it is quite simple. These are tears of gladness. And these are tears of sadness. They're quite, quite different. Of course. So how are we to escape? I do not know. That makes you happy? No, this is sadness. <laughs> oh, do not cry, sister mine, for we shall escape. Oh, Pip! This is gladness, by the way. Heartened to find her still alive, yet baffled by her emotional fluidity. <laughs> I introduced her to the mysterious servant woman. Pleased to meet you, young Pepper. The pleasure is all mine, hideous bearded crone. <laughs> and to Harry, who I think was quite taken with her. Pleased to meet you, Miss Bin. <laughs> Sorry, bit nervous. Don't get to talk to girls much. Enough of this idle banter. We must get you out of that bath and escape. Bath? But this is no bath. Then what is it? As you know, I am to be burned as Joan of Arc this afternoon. Yes. And like your school, my nunnery only has a meal every three months. Yes. So this is not bathwater. It is a marinade. No. My own sister destined to be eaten. But not anymore. Not now you have come to rescue me. Mmm. Rosemary, garlic and olive oil. <laughs> You'd have been a tasty feast, Miss Bin. Thank you, Harry Biscuit. <laughs> Uh, I feel funny. You arrived in the nick of time. Sister Cookswell is shortly to come and squeeze lemon juice over me and stud me with peppercorns. Then we must leave at once. Not without my anvil. Before he died, our father had given Pippa an anvil, which she used to make tiny shoes for all the animals of this world. <laughs> Something so heavy will slow us down. But it is the only reminder I have of father. Surely you have a lighter reminder. Well, there is this one-page letter he gave me. Or this feather. Or this paper bag full of his breath. <laughs> but it's the anvil that really reminds me of him. Oh, very well, you may bring it. But first, we must disguise you. Once more, from beneath her voluminous skirts, the mysterious servant produced a disguise. Right. Let us leave. And remember, just behave like any normal dead admiral, giant rabbit and grandfather clock. <laughs> Trafalgar, uh, bloody good battle, apart from being killed. Bong, 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 sister. And good evening to you as well, Miss Clock. Nice anvil, by the way. <laughs> just a bit further. Against all hope, we had almost made it. But suddenly... 
A voice rang out which chilled me to my very marrow. I forget why I was carrying such a large vegetable. <laughs> Part of the rabbit disguise, perhaps. You four, stop exactly where you are and bend over. Quick, everybody, this way! We followed her down a steep staircase into a huge cavern. There was a bitter taste to the air which Harry and I knew all too well. The school salt mines. One of the many, many punishments at St. Bastards was to be sent to the salt mines, where boys went mad with thirst, or to the neighboring pepper mines, where they often sneezed themselves inside out. This will slow the headmaster down. He will not dare come in here without reinforcements, and they will take him some time to gather. First brigade, take the left. Second, the right. The rest, follow me down the middle. Damn! I forgot about the salt mine who's ours. <laughs> Run for it! Uh, uh, the salt is making me hallucinate. I keep thinking I can see a giant rabbit. I'm dressed as a giant rabbit. Oh, now there's two of them. Hurry! They're gaining on us! It's no good. I can't keep up. Leave me. Perhaps if you stop hopping like a rabbit. Oh, yes. Good idea. I am going to weep now. And for your information, this will very much be a weeping of a forlorn and anguished nature. No, I have a plan. We must smash through this wall to the neighboring pepper mine. But what good will that do? You'll see. Now take these shovels and dig. Dig! We dug as if our lives depended on it, which they did. The hussars came closer and closer. We dug harder and harder, and then... We're through! The pepper's coming in, mixing with the salt. Then get down, everyone! In those days, science wasn't as advanced as it is now. <laughs> everyone knew of people who had inexplicably exploded at mealtimes, but we did not yet know of the deadly explosive force unleashed when salt is mixed with pepper. <laughs> in our ignorance, we blamed such deaths on acts of God or flammable cutlets. <laughs> But this servant knew exactly what she was doing. Achoo! Oh, damn this pepper! Achoo! Why won't it stand still and bend over? Is everyone all right? I think so. I am. Harry? Harry Biscuit? My arm! My arm's come off! I've lost an arm! <laughs> Harry, you're dressed as Nelson. Of course. Here it is, tucked into my jacket. <laughs> ah, I've lost an eye. You're dressed as Nelson. Of course. Here it is under this eye patch. It's all right. I'm fine, everyone. Did I have a third leg? No. no. <laughs> the scene around us was one of utter devastation. No one survived, apart from us. And then... What have you done to my school? Bend over! Bend over, damn you! He still lives. Bend over! No, he doesn't. <laughs> Your anvil has saved us, Pepper. In the explosion, the anvil had been blown high into the air and had landed straight on the headmaster's head. Come, children, we must leave. The roof of the mine had collapsed and we crawled out onto some sunlit moorland where we breakfasted on some freshly exploded and heavily seasoned grass. <laughs> well, now that 
that's over, I can remove these vile garments. As she peeled away the layers of clothing, warts, grime, and oddly thinly sliced cheese, <laughs> she started to look strangely familiar. But it cannot be. Mother, is that you? No, just a friend. Or should I say, an aunt. Aunt? I'm your mother's identical twin sister. Your Aunt Lily. We have no Aunt Lily. Is she maybe my Aunt Lily? You have an Aunt Lily? No. <laughs> I've kept my existence a secret up till now, partly because of my work for the Imperial Secret Service, but mostly because I can't stand family functions. That's all fascinating, newfound Aunt Lily, but now we must go to our home to rescue our mother, for Mr Benevolent is to marry her this very afternoon. Should I wear a hat? No, Harry, this is no ordinary wedding. It is an evil wedding. Over here, I have four of the fastest horses in Great Britain. They will take us there. Giddy up! Come on! Yeah! Perhaps we should have got on them first. Do not worry. I have attached four strong ropes from the horses to your ankles in just a minute. It was painful, but it was quick, and we soon reached our home. Ah, home. In the nunnery at night, often did I dream of returning here. Although more often I dreamt of strong men in tight breeches lifting me bodily onto a stallion. It is your home no more, I'm afraid. Is it maybe my home? No, Harry. It's Pip and Pippa's. But it has become an asylum, and those are the inmates. Of course, in these modern times of 1873, the <laughs> politically correct term is lunatics. <laughs> but in those days, we called them what they were. Mentalists, nutjobs, <laughs> lady minds, soft heads and durbrains. <laughs> And our home was full of them. I can't believe it. Mentalists and nutjobs everywhere. And lady minds and soft heads. Not to mention the Durbrains. <laughs> A carriage. Quick, into the ditch. We watched from our hiding place as it drew to a halt. Then a set of steps unfolded and a familiar foot emerged. That familiar foot was attached to a lower leg I knew well. And in turn, that well-known leg connected with a thigh I had seen many times before, which itself led up to a body which I oddly didn't recognise at all. <laughs> the neck, head and face were all, however, only too prominent in my memory, for they belonged to... Mr Gently Benevolent. But why is he naked? Let's um... <laughs> my clothes. We watched as a man approached Mr Benevolent, and this man, too, seemed oddly familiar. Mr. Gently Benevolent, to what do I owe this pleasure? Dr. Hardthrasher, I bring news. Your brother is dead. Oh, which one? Jeremiah. How? Like a steak in a bad restaurant, over-seasoned and cooked to a crisp, and with an anvil for a head. <laughs> ah, steak d'anville. <laughs> My favourite. Well, it is of no surprise to me. Jeremiah had a reputation as a hard man, but in truth he was a weakling with a milksop's heart, a fool's head and the ears of a thin kitten. <laughs> now, what can I do for you? I have come to take Agnes Bin with me to be married. Hearing this, I could not restrain myself and leapt out of the ditch. Mother! Did you just see an enormous rabbit? <laughs> well, there's plenty of them around. 
They're attracted by the mentalists. <laughs> anyway, I shall have Agnes Bin fetched for you. This time, at the mention of our mother, it was my sister who could not restrain herself. Mother! Where did that clock come from? I meant bong, 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 bong. Ah, four o'clock already. Time for roll call. Line up the loons. With the recent ending of the wars against France, there were certain obsessions shared by the Durbanes of Great Britain. Napoleon! Here. Napoleon! Here. Napoleon! <laughs> Napoleon! And finally, Wellington. Um, here? What, here? My nemesis. Get, Get him! And then, through the melee of torn limbs and thwarted imperial ambition, I saw a figure silhouetted against the sky. My mother. As the battle raged around her, she was still noble, beautiful. She was also being led by a burly henchman towards Mr. Benevolent's carriage. Put her inside, henchman, and I shall take her to be married at St. Reluctance Church, some miles away. <laughs> and Dr. Hartthresher, I want you to shut everyone inside the house, lock all the doors and windows, and burn the place down. Why? Well, it'd be a bit of a laugh, wouldn't it? Splendid. <laughs> and if anyone asks, I'll just say I was trying to burn the madness out of them. <laughs> we must do something. It is too dangerous. You have more to live for than you know. I did not want to show you this so soon, but perhaps now is the time. Reaching into a bag, Aunt Lily pulled out a newspaper. It was the London Gazette, dated just a week before, and on it was a painting of the docks at Portsmouth. Look closely. We squinted hard at the picture, and there, in the bottom corner, bound and chained, sat a figure with a familiar face. Father! He is alive! We must find him, and we must rescue Mother. We should probably stop the mentalists' nutjobs, soft heads, lady minds and derbrains from being burnt. <laughs> As we watched, Mr. Benevolent climbed into his carriage and departed with my mother. <laughs> and meanwhile, Dr. Hartthrasher prepared to burn the asylum. We faced a terrible dilemma. Did we save my mother or the innocent derbrains? What an awful situation to be in. What did you do? I, I bet you saved the lunatics. No, your mother. Did you save her first? No, no, don't tell me. Uh, actually, do. Do tell me. No, that is enough for today. Our readers will lap it up like a bowl of lovely gin. Then return. <laughs> return next week and you shall hear more. Of course. Goodbye, Sir Philip. And goodbye, Lady Lily. Goodbye. So, Father, how do you feel? Like an elephant has just got up from sitting on me. It is a great relief, but I am badly bruised and everything smells a bit funny. And is there much more to tell? Oh, indeed there is. When he returns, he shall hear how we saved both the mentalists and my mother. But lost something far, far greater. Bleak Expectations was written by Mark Evans and starred Richard Johnson as Sir Philip Bin, Tom Allen as Young Pip, Anthony Head as Mr. Malevolent, Geoffrey Whitehead as Mr. Hartfrasher, Celia Imry as Aunt Lily, Susie Kane as Pippa, Sarah Hadland as Lily, and James Barkman as Harry Biscuit. Wellington was played by Mark Evans. It was produced by Gareth Edwards. <laughs> <laughs>